Welcome back to the Travelling Music Therapist podcast. My name is Yuki and you are listening to part two of my chat with Tanya Silvera from Sydney, Australia. Tanya is practicing in Sydney as a registered music therapist and she is also studying her PhD. I have absolutely loved having a chat to Tanya. I hope you enjoy. I was just thinking like how incredible it is how people have been turning back to the arts as well. Mm-hmm. Um, yes. You know, I know myself included and a lot of um, music therapists I know, you know, we've resumed using music more for ourselves like we've gone back to making an effort to use music for ourselves rather than just you know when we're in the car driving between sessions a lot of us don't have anything playing in the background which I thought it was just me and then it turns out it's all of us Um, I'm in the same boat yeah and so you know that's like normal for us but a lot of us I think have been well, I know because I've been speaking to lots of other music therapists about this. We've been going back to using music for ourselves and our own self-care. And it's just been so interesting, like kind of going back to what you were saying about social media a little while ago, about how like people are sharing songs or like writing like silly memes or doing TikTok videos or whatever, like, you know, drawing upon the arts to kind of get them through and not to get too political on you, but it's quite sad about how the arts are um, viewed by higher up in the government, I suppose. But it's with that in mind, it's still quite beautiful to see the general public just kind of accessing the arts more and having that value for the arts, including music, which I think has been really special. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Like in the first few weeks of... um of all of this, I just uploaded to my story. I said, you know, I'm taking song requests because I was, it was while I was recovering from my, from the flu. So I wasn't working. And so I asked my friends to send me requests and then I recorded some songs and sent them back. And I think about half of them cried. And And I wasn't expecting that either. But yeah, it does make you really appreciate the power of music and, you know, yeah, what we do for work. But um, yeah. you're right about, you know, us music therapists not usually using music for ourselves. And I made it a goal for, um, for me to at least do two yeah. songs a week of sight reading. Yeah. <laughs> because that's something that I've just, you know, I used to be so good. So I did my yeah. Elmas in piano when I was 17. Wow. Yeah, 17 or 18. I did my Amos when I was like 14, 15. Like. Wow, so young. So I used to be really, really good at sight reading. And since then, you know, it's been 10 plus years. Oh, gosh. Wow, that sounds like a long time. um, (laughs) Now that I think about it. Right? It does sound. (laughs) 10 years is gone. Oh, my God. (laughs) I know. (laughs) When you get into those double digits, it's like, oh, wow. It's all one. (laughs) Um, I can't believe that's how long I've left it. Because I've kept thinking like, oh, you know, I'll go back and do technical work. I need to, you know, brush up on my technique. So, um, yeah, the past month or so I've really tried to build back up my piano mm-hmm. skills that I once had it's a little bit depressing <laughs> that I obviously can't play as well as I used to but also my keyboard is like it's not a full-size keyboard oh. it's only 60 60 something keys instead of 88 so oh. um some of the bigger songs I kind of get to the end of the keyboard and go oh <laughs> can't play this song <laughs> but um yeah it's been it's been kind of nice reconnecting with music 
Mm. You know, but as music therapists, we should know all about connect. You know, using music for ourselves, right? We really don't don't do it. It's funny that you kind of bring up that word connecting as well because the, um, you know, main theme for the conference this year is about connection. Mm-hmm. And so it was interesting yes. that as a committee we came up with that um, that kind of overall word as the overall theme of connection before any of this stuff happened. It's just as a committee we really think mm-hmm. connection's important. So Yes, yeah, so Tanya is going to be conference Convener. Yeah, conference convener. Yes, that's yeah. your title. Yes. Yeah, for this year's conference. How exciting. Yeah. As a committee, we, we were always really wanting to link in with the membership to see, you know, what they want from a conference because it's, you know, it's their conference. And as a committee, we're all, I think we're all pretty like innovative and excited and creative and pseudo tech savvy. So, you know, with an online component, um, it'll definitely be kind of mixed up. It won't be your usual kind of idea of what an online lecture would be like. So, yeah. yeah. So the the conference that we're talking about is the Australian Music Therapy Association National Conference. This is our important music therapy conference for um us Aussies here. <laughs> I just thought I might mention that though because I was looking at my stats for my podcast the other day, right? And I have a lot of listeners from the states. Amazing. <laughs> and I was yeah, and I was like, oh, I wonder why. But um, I suppose you know anyone can access podcasts. You know, it doesn't matter where you live. Yeah, and anyone can access conferences. That's right. Yes. Yeah, so that's why I thought you know, now that everything is online, it might be a good chance to be accessing, you know, international conferences because there are amazing things going on all the time. But I I do have to admit, though, I'm going to miss the actual social component of of the Congress, you know, the conferences that usually happen. You know, that's a big part uh, for me for attending conferences. First of all, because as music therapists, we don't work with other music therapists often. We might, you know, if you're in a big hospital, like I don't know how many there are at your um, hospital there, but generally, like I work, I've worked with maybe three, four music therapists in this past half year or so, but I feel like that's a lot compared to the rest of us, you know. So we don't get to get um, get to know each other very well. Even thinking about the social component, though, like the. Um, Shay Davison is our um, social um, chair uh, for the conference this year. And, you know, before we, as we were preparing to um, conduct the webinar for the AMTA membership to see what they want out of the conference, she actually came up with some pretty incredibly innovative ideas to have a social component online as well. So, you know, for a lot of us, you know, when I think about conferences, I love, you know, learning from other music therapists and um, sharing my um, research as well, my clinical work, but I love learning from others. But the thing that I love the most is the social aspect, I have to admit. I love just like linking in with people that I haven't seen for a year Mm -hmm. and just like hanging out, having lunch together, going for a drink or a little boogie. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, it's, it's such a big part of a conference. So it'll be interesting to see how, yeah, we can translate that to online forums as well yeah 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 I'm looking forward to that 
Um, so Tanya and I are both in the social media committee of the Australian Music Therapy Association. And that's why we, I was thinking about it. I was like, I chat to Tanya so often. Oh yeah, we do. Even though she lives in a different state and it, you know, we don't work <laughs> together, but it's because we're, um, so Tanya, Tanya wears like a hundred hats, you know, obviously with the conference, part, being part of the social media committee, doing her research, lecturing at the uni and I have a really strong neck for all my hats. Yeah, for all the hats. <laughs> so, yeah, that's been um, – we've been part of it for a couple of years now. Um, Very few years, And we're doing yeah. some exciting things. Yeah. Um, and creating content for, you know, our AMTA, um, Aussie Music Therapists. <laughs> and on the topic of um, creating content, a little mm. while ago you asked me to video – some bits and pieces of me doing some exercise and <laughs> just some chatting about um for, you were putting together a video yeah. for as an online resource for kids studying not kids students at uni I should say um studying online how is that going I don't think I saw the final product of it I want to know where I can find this I'm sure everyone else oh I didn't show it to you <laughs> <laughs> I don't unfortunately I don't think we can share it widely it's it's this is part of my um uni teaching hat I oh, suppose okay. um creating an I created an online resource um and right. yeah that was shared with um the cohort that um that I'm yeah helping teach this year and yeah apparently they loved it they loved it like it was good reception oh, and, I see. um I think it's something that we wouldn't be able to share widely just because of I suppose okay. copyright issues because okay. I used a lot of um uh mm-hmm music grabs or oh, like um visuals from like of course the simpsons and friends my kind of go-to um but yeah but i asked yuki yeah. and another past um blended learning student um goya so the three of us were blended learning students so we had quite a lot of experience working online um mm-hmm. before all yeah. of this stuff and we, yeah, just, I just asked them to do really silly things. Also, Emily um, Mastrados um, yeah. was part of it too. And we just, um, I think one of the things I asked you guys to do was um, do a dance in your pyjamas because <laughs> I was pretty aware that most of us at some point did our uni work in our pyjamas. And I have to admit, it's two o'clock in the afternoon and I'm yeah. in my pajamas doing this um talk with you. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I'm just in the zone. I'm just in the zone. I just couldn't get I just couldn't get dressed. I'm still in the zone. So That's okay. <laughs> that People don't have to see that video, but um if you're part of that cohort, I'm I'm a, you know, I'm starring in that video. <laughs> yeah. Yuki's one oh of my the stars. It's so funny. Yeah, um, but yeah, we, we've both actually been quite involved in um, creating content online, social media, and just advocating for music therapy. I feel like, um, you know, we're both quite passionate about this. Um, and I remember a couple of years ago when I had a chat to Grace, actually on this podcast, um, and she made a comment that um, she said, oh, you know, maybe it's the fact that you're in Perth with you know, not a whole lot of music therapists that, you know, you really want to advocate for music therapy. And then that made me think like, oh, maybe other music therapists don't put as much energy into it. Is that, (laughs) I don't know. It was just like this 
it made me realize like oh my gosh i am actually probably more passionate than the average like clinician to you know make music therapy known do you feel like that sometimes <laughs> you know i've i've had thoughts about it um in the past because i think um it kind of depends on the person and i think this is for like any industry not just music therapy you know there are people who and and all of this is completely valid and like as important as the next thing you know some people want to get their degree and just work clinically and work like half a week and have half a week off some people just want to work clinically mm-hmm. some people want to do research some people don't even want to go to that kind of advocacy um stage because it's just you know you get met with uh not so great things sometimes and you you know you can have um I don't even know if this is a phrase, but you could have advocacy fatigue, I suppose, which I feel like I've had in in the past. I don't even know that I was like advocating until one day someone said, oh, you're a really great music therapy advocate. And I was like, oh, is that what I'm doing? So, (laughs) you know, you just, you just don't realize, but I think I've always, um, for me, I don't know about you, Yuki, but for me, like I, um, I've always had music as part of my life Mm -hmm. and, um, and you know that's back from when I was a kid and I you know I I never used to like sharing this but I think it's really important to share you know music was the kind of subject in school for me that um gave me my voice and that I was really good at whereas other subjects in school I was never like that amazing at I was you know I worked really really hard but for me I'd have to work you know four times (laughs) the amount of someone else to get, you know, a decent grade. Mm-hmm. And then I, yeah, discovered music therapy and it's like I found my calling and it was something that I was just so passionate about. And for the first time in my life, I felt like I was really good at something. Um, yeah. You know, I never felt like smart enough to do this or that. So, um, you know, I found my place in it. And then of, and I also have a really um, beautiful connection with, I guess the therapeutic benefits of music from um, when my, my my grandmother had dementia and it was quite a very, um, it was a very fast progression. Mm-hmm. And um, I was studying music therapy at the time actually. And we, I, what we were doing together wasn't, I wouldn't call it music therapy. It was just a grandma and a granddaughter, just like having fun, kicking back some tunes, you know, playing the piano together and, it's just how we connect it. We just hang out, you know? And for me, when I saw her kind of come out of herself when she was in um, those kind of deep states where we didn't know if she was, if she could hear us or if she knew we were there, um, when I saw her come out of that, for me, that just, you know, it gives me shivers thinking about it. So she's always been kind of my inspiration and my driving force. And, and I think that's something that as an as someone who now identifies as an advocate, like that's the thing mm. that pushes me through, that wants the systems to be better and that wants people to be more aware of it. Because if she had access to this, you know, towards the end of her life, you know, it, it would have been incredible yeah. for her and our family. So oh, that's beautiful. That, I don't know. I think that's something that, that really drives me. Yeah. Oh, thanks for yeah. sharing that. I think um, we all have those... Um, maybe those light bulb moments or just those emotional ties to, you know, mm. why we've decided to become a music therapist. And that's so, that's so lovely to hear. I'm sorry to hear about your yes. grandmother and like that 
when dementia when there's such a quick progression as well that can be yeah. really tough to and I think as well with that you know I I know that um I really used to love working in aged care but I know that I probably wouldn't go back to aged care specifically or um I wouldn't research dementia or Alzheimer's I wouldn't yeah, I wouldn't research that area just because it's mm-hmm. too close to home for me. But there are some incredible researchers there, like Zara Thompson's doing this incredible PhD, um, looking at um, working with people with dementia and their caregivers. And it's just every time I listen to her speak, I like get shivers and I get teary because it's just so beautiful. Um, so, yeah, it's I think it's important to have that balance for your personal self as well. Yeah, absolutely. Um, that's something that I've been kind of thinking about recently. I haven't ever um, worked in dementia or aged care, really, just because um, I think I, that's how I would react. Like, my grandparents are still alive. However, my grandpa, he just turned 95 last week. Wow. Which is super old. And my grandpa <laughs> is 90. Um, I'm actually putting together, like, a family happy birthday song because he they live in Japan. Um, and so... my close family all live here and so we weren't able to celebrate with him um and he's his hearing isn't so great anymore but I just thought we'll put together Mm. a video so then he can listen to it with headphones and then you know he'll be able to hear us so that's a little side project that I've I've been doing but for that reason I I was really close with my grandparents growing up even though they lived in Japan they came over to see us like twice a year um when we were younger so yeah, it's just, it's just been an area that I, I suppose, you know, you do need to kind of know your own boundaries as well and you, yeah. you have to identify those um, mm. to be an effective therapist, you know, because um, mm. and also we have to take care of ourselves. Yeah, so. of course. <laughs> We've chatted for so long, but I really wanted to ask you about your research because I work in um, neurorehab as well. Um, but you're using some really interesting techniques. Um, can you please tell our listeners about what you're working on? Yeah, so my um, research is in stroke rehabilitation specifically. And um, as part of my research, I've developed a protocol which is about to be published <gasps> with the um, Nordic Journal of Music Therapy. So mm-hmm. I'm really excited to have that out there. So I've developed a um, protocol with my incredible supervisors, um, which looks at um, upper limb function, so hand function and well-being outcomes for people who have had a stroke. So I guess the driving um, thing for this research is working with stroke survivors who basically have, you know, zero movement in their arms and their hands. And when you look to um, kind of musical interventions, whether they're facilitated by music therapists or non-music therapists, Um, people generally need to have some kind of level of function in the hand or the arm to play an instrument. So if, if you kind of look to see, um, if you kind of look to work with people to regain their movement in their arm and their hand, and they have like zero movement, how can you kind of motivate them to engage in music making with that hand? So I wanted to find a way to make music accessible to anyone. So I actually stumbled across some incredible technology um, used by physiotherapists and occupational therapists, and it's um, called functional electrical stimulation, which is a bit of a mouthful, but basically 
Um, it's very routinely used um, and, you know, there's lots of literature to support its use. I've used it on myself just to feel what it's like. But basically you put two um, electrode pads on the arm, on the top of the arm, and an electrical signal that stimulates the muscles and sends a message up to the brain and then the wrist and the fingers go up. So the machine kind of does the work for you. So I combined that machine device with um, an iPad based instrument. So I've just been using Thumb Jam, which is just an iOS application. And what we're finding is when you combine this functional electrical stimulation device with a touch sensitive instrument, so using the iPad, people are actually showing active movement, like independent movement. And it's motivating, that's for sure. But also when you think about it scientifically, like they're getting visual feedback from the iPad. So that's connecting the visual part of the brain. They're getting auditory feedback from the, from the sound of the instrument. So that's connecting the auditory part of the brain. And they're getting um, motor feedback because they're seeing their hand move. So that combines the motor part of the brain. So they're connecting three parts of the brain at once, which is really important for neuroplastic changes. So even with, even with some people, you know, without even putting the um, functional electrical stimulation machine on, when they just rest their hand on the iPad and I ask them to engage in mental practice, you know, just think about moving your hand, just sort of will it to move, even though we can't physically see it move. The iPad's so touch sensitive that even if there are little pulses of muscle activation in the palm of the hand or like down the arm near the wrist, it's picked up by the instrument. And so that I think is very, um, from what I've learned from stroke survivors I've worked with, it's very empowering to know that something is happening. It's subtle, but it's there and, and change is possible. So what kind of instruments then are you using? Are you using iPad apps? Yeah, I'm just using one iPad app for the purpose of my research. I know there's lots of different ones out there, but I've just been using Thumb Jam and just programming it in different ways. So um, if someone has a lot of movement, I'll probably program it to have like fewer octaves, maybe one octave. Or if people have basically no movement, I'll program it to have multiple octaves. So there's more chance for um, sound to eventuate. Yeah. Um, so do you mind just describing to our listeners um, what Thumb Jam does, does without it sounding like a massive ad for them? I mean, they can sponsor me if they want to. Yeah, I know. <laughs> they can sponsor both of us. Um, so, uh, yeah, Thumb Jam is just, yeah, an iOS app that you can get on um, Apple technology. So unfortunately, um, I've only found it for Apple technology, not for Samsung, etc. Um, and basically you can change, um, the instrument sound, the instrument sounds actually pretty decent. You can change, um, the octave that it's played. You can, you can change the number of octaves that are there and all that kind of stuff. But the way that it presents on, um, on an iPad, for example, is it's just got, um, horizontal lines across. So that's all it is. Just lines, nothing that looks like a piano or keys and, and the lines are just multicolored. So it's quite, it's quite an attractive app um, for whether it be adults or children, you know, I've, I've had similar, um, it's had similar benefits in my clinical work and my research working with adults and children, you know, across, across the lifespan. But um, I really like its versatility in um, 
the way that you can change the scale. So, you know, a lot of us music therapists might kind of go back to the good old pentatonic scale because any clash will be beautiful. And that's lovely, you know, as a starting point. So even if the hand is flat on the keys and it's spanning about, you know, eight keys over, you know, and you've programmed it for X amount of octaves, it'll still sound good when you accompany. So that's what I really like yeah. about it. And there are lots of different scales. They even have lots of different jazz scales. Um, Yuki, you probably know I'm a bit of a jazz buff. That was my like performance undergrad. Yeah. Um, and lots of Indian scales as well, Middle Eastern scales. So when you work with people of different ethnic backgrounds, yeah. um, uh, they obviously may have preferences for different types of music and, you know, without making assumptions, it's good to have that access there drawing from the Eastern and the Western worlds. So I really like that about this app. Yeah. Yeah. And it's kind of important too that you mentioned it doesn't look like a keyboard. It's just horizontal lines because I think, um, you know, just seeing a keyboard automatically makes you think of structure. Like, yeah. Oh, which one am I supposed to play? Like it just gets rid of that added barrier, I guess that we sometimes face mm. as um, music musicians yeah. or music therapists who are trying to encourage other non-musicians to play with us it can be quite um difficult for them to be motivated because mm. they'll think oh no i'm not going to do it right so i think that's the great thing about thumb jam yeah is it a criteria at all for you to be finding clients who were musicians or like does um, it come up? no it's not a cri- it's not a criteria but um i i do find it quite interesting working with people who are musicians versus non-musicians because um, I mean the person that led me to discover this um, or to create this approach was a musician actually my clinical Mm -hmm. work I've I've written a clinical case report um, about her if anybody's interested in writing in the Australian Journal of Music Therapy Mm -hmm. and she was um, you know a quite an established organist and she had a stroke um, and she was really really didn't think she'd get any movement in her hand back and um, I guess the long story short is that um, by the time it was you know time for her discharge she was back to playing two-handed piano and back to playing excerpts of Bach that she had many moons ago so um, you know I've worked with I I think equally people who are musicians or non-musicians sometimes might just be a bit hesitant to start musicians might be hesitant thinking like what is this? You know, this isn't an instrument. But then other musicians I've worked, people with music, musical backgrounds have said, oh, this is really interesting. And then they've gotten into the nitty gritty kind of nerdy <laughs> stuff about like, let's use this scale instead and get, let's do this. And then I've worked with, um, you know, recently I worked with a stroke survivor who was very, very young and he was very sporty. Young as in um, young for a stroke, you know, he, he was in his early 30s. Um, which for me was very close to home um, age-wise and he was very sporty and he just kind of he wasn't sure but he wanted to give it a go because you know when you're at that kind of level of um, impairment you'll try anything and your family will want you to try anything and he didn't really have any movement when we met but after the four-week intervention you know part of part of um, his, uh, well, part of the protocol um, involved, you know, potentially learning a song. And by the end of um, our time together, he was able to play an excerpt from a Coldplay song 
um, without the functional electrical stimulation, you know, just on the iPad. He was so motivated and it was incredible. And that was coming back to crying, Yuki. That was a session I really <laughs> needed to hold back tears because his sister and his brother oh. were in the room and they were like, you yeah. did it, you did it, you did it. And it was incredible. Oh, um, amazing. Yeah. It's amazing to witness that kind of stuff, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, it is. It definitely yeah. is. Um, you know, when you when you first hear about music therapy and then you read about the cases and you think, oh, you know, they're exceptional cases, but then you go, go out into the workforce and you work with people and, you know, we, we find so many amazing stories and, um, mm. we're, yeah, we're just so blessed. I just love our job. It's just, um, yeah. I'm always amazed at how music can change. Um, people's lives um well Tanya thank you so much for having a chat to me I really enjoyed that conversation me too I think we needed a catch up as well <laughs> yeah I think so this is so nice um for our listeners can you just let them know where can they find um, your publications and you know your journal that's going to be coming out yeah so I'm slowly in the process of collating all of this to one platform, which is um, a website. So I can send you that link, Yuki, um, and you could put that in the notes, I suppose. But for anybody interested to look it up, it's just my name. So tanyamariesilvera.com.au. And so, yeah, just publications and talks and stuff like that will be put up there soon. Amazing. And also, if you haven't already seen, Tanya also did a TEDx talk, which is super exciting. Where can they find that? Um, Would that be on there as well, on your website? Yeah, so we're in the process of putting that up. But if um, if anyone's interested in just Googling it, um, you can either go to the TED website or YouTube and just type in Tanya Silvera um, stroke and it should come up. Yeah. Amazing. You're doing so many wonderful things for our pres- profession Tanya I'm so proud of you thanks Yuki Um, back at ya back at ya um and you can find me hopefully you'll find a picture of Tanya and I on my Instagram the traveling music therapist pod um it's called the traveling music therapist we just haven't decided on a picture yet we might just have to do a photo shoot because um we weren't ready to be because I'm in my pajamas (laughs) to be photographed today Neither of us were, so. Um, <laughs> but head over there to my Instagram. You'll be able to see other random bits and pieces that I upload. And of course, if you haven't checked, checked out um, the podcast before, I've got. Um, I, I've been. Uh, this has taken me about two years to um, start up again, but I did have a number of podcasts before. So feel free to go ha- and have a listen. Especially if you're at home, you know, isolated and looking for things to do. Thank you so much, Tanya. And thanks for listening. Bye.